So we have retaliated against those guys who took out our troops a couple of days ago. We have special coverage. Uh, this is Lydia Serrani, of course. Lydia, thanks for doing this with us. Thank you so much for having me. So here's what we know. The latest 85 targets hit by 125 precision munitions. And what's really interesting to me, Greg, is the fact that the U.S. strikes appeared to stop short of directly targeting Iran or senior leaders of the Revolutionary Guard yeah. within its borders. So yeah, there's doesn't some... that defeat the purpose? Oh, well, I, you know, there's some debate about what to do next and why did we give them such a heads up and why did we wait so long? But this has happened and we're told that it's going to possibly go on for days, if not weeks. This will be a sustained campaign. I want to show you something, Lydia. One of the main weapons they used was this, the B-1 bomber. Mm -hmm. They call it the Lancer. And uh, mm -hmm. I find this pretty wild. It took off from the United States. It flies all the way over there nonstop, drops its bombs and comes all the way back to the United States. Pretty wild, huh? Wow, incredible. And thankfully, all of them, none of them were hurt. They, it was a successful mission for our U.S. forces as well because they put their, their lives in harm's danger as well. Sure, sure. So the targets were in Iraq and, uh, and Syria. I'm told that we notified the government of Iraq. There's some grumbling about that. That kind of makes sense to me. Uh, Joe Biden, we won't be, we don't expect to see him tonight. He is in Wilmington, Delaware. Mm -hmm. uh, so make of that what you will. Uh, the Secretary of Defense is back on the job. Uh, but there are people wondering, hey, should this, uh, should this have happened a bit earlier? And should it be even more aggressive than what we've seen so far? Absolutely. And why, why wait almost a week? Yeah, it would seem kind of strange. And the last time we, uh, you know, there was a skirmish a few, uh, maybe 10 days ago or so, uh, reportedly, we told the Houthis we were coming, mm -hmm. and uh, you may want to get rid of your weapons. I'd like to bring in Rick Grinnell, former director of national intelligence under Donald Trump and future who knows what in the next Trump administration. Uh, Rick, welcome back. Uh, Lydia and I here. What do, you, what do you make of all this? What's your reaction? Well, look, as a diplomat, uh, let's just be clear. This is a failure of diplomacy. We have failed to diplomatically solve a problem. Uh, what's clear to me, too, is that we have funded this war. Donald Trump had made Iran broke. We isolated them. We rallied the world. We had worldwide sanctions on their oil and other products. Joe Biden released the sanctions. He gave them credit and cash to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And so this war that we are now worried about we're watching and we're participating in, we actually, as American taxpayers, helped fund it. Joe Biden's policies are literally causing more war. Donald Trump's policies, well, as you know, we had peace between the Arabs and the Israelis. You know, at this point, Rick Grinnell, it just seems to me that Joe Biden was begging, begging Iran, oh, please, don't hurt us, you know, don't do anything. And at this point, they waited six days almost was he was he hoping that they would just go away quietly and not do anything anymore if we just kept giving them more cash? Is it indecisiveness? Is this is this a willful ignorance by the Biden administration? Look, the opposite of America first is consensus with the Europeans. And the Europeans have always wanted us to engage with Iran. They did not like when we were isolating Iran. They believed, and many Democrats believed, that engagement with the Iranians would produce an Iranian regime that somehow was a responsible member of the international community. So they engaged with them, and they that's why they did this thing called the JCPOA, which was an Iran deal that Obama started. 
we got out of that deal and we said, look, you're never going to convince this radical regime to do the right thing. You've got to isolate them. And so what's been really clear is that Joe Biden doesn't know how to do either policy. He was asked at the White House just a couple of days ago, uh, do you blame Iran for this? And Joe Biden's response was, well, I, I know that they funded it. And there's only one answer. Yes, I blame Iran. And when the regime sees Joe Biden hedge and not blame them, they love it and it's going to get worse. Rick, why don't you think this happened earlier? I mean, we've been on the receiving end of uh, attacks for a long time. They have about 10,000 military planners over at the Pentagon. This is the kind of thing they kind of could have pulled the trigger on right away. Uh, what did they gain by, by waiting several days? Look, I have no idea. Uh, they certainly weren't waiting for diplomacy, which is usually the course of action, is that you wait because you're doing diplomatic activity. You're hopeful that you can solve these problems without having, uh, you know, a military action or, or war. And yet what we really saw is the Biden team just talk about military actions. The other thing that we did, which is like crazy to me, is we messaged that we were coming to to take military action. The the element of surprise was completely taken off the table by Joe Biden. That seems crazy. It does seem completely unusual. And also the fact that they waited almost a week. And you remember, obviously, you would know this in 2019, Trump, he uh, Trump, he he was decisive in his action when Iran killed a U.S. contractor and they kept coming after us. He got a lot of criticism, a lot of blowback when he killed, of course, General Soleimani, the number one terrorist at the time. And Joe Biden, his weakness on the world stage, it continues to put our country in peril, especially with our open southern border. Well, the one thing that I loved about serving um, Donald Trump is that he, he is an outsider. He's not the typical government official. And so he looks at all the tools that we have in the U.S. government, whether they be sanctions or isolation or military action or tough diplomacy, uh, tariffs, all of the things that you can do to solve problems, he would use them. And, and he was very, uh, I would say, inconsistent in how he would use them with different countries, which created this credibility. Uh, many countries believed that there was a credible threat of military action, a credible threat of sanctions. Donald Trump would do it. And that's why we had behavior change. And that's why we had peace between the Arabs and the Israelis and not wars. He would do it. <laughs> Joe Biden says, don't do it, and they do it. Well, uh, we appreciate it so much, Rick Grinnell, to be continued. Many, many thanks. Absolutely. All the best. Yep. Newsmax senior correspondent John Huddy joins us now live to break down the very latest. John? Well, yeah, Lydia and Greg, we're getting more information from U.S. officials who say that they're, they're in really the beginning stages of the, the battleground assessment to see how um, impactful these strikes were. At this point, U.S. officials, including NSC spokesperson Admiral John Kirby, said that the, the airstrikes hit the targets, 85 targets, seven facilities, uh, four in Syria, three in Iraq, going after not only IRGC um, uh, assets on the ground. We're talking about command and control. We're talking about rocket launch sites. But also, as you guys have been talking about and as we've been reporting throughout the evening, Iranian proxies, notably in eastern Syria and Iraq, uh, uh, Katib Hezbollah and also the Islamic resistance of Iraq, which was the group, kind of the umbrella term of several Iranian proxies and militias that have banded together to attack 
U.S. forces on the ground in Syria and Iraq, and uh, that was behind that deadly drone strike Sunday on Tower 22, the military outpost in northeastern Jordan, right on the Syrian border. Um, so the U.S. continues to assess uh, the damage. Uh, keep in mind, it's just past 5 a.m., on the ground in Syria and Iraq. So the sun is coming up. They'll get a better handle. But what we're also hearing, according to DOD, Pentagon officials, and, and of course, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said this, that this is only the start of what is expected and what is said to be a multi-tiered targeted campaign to go after IRGC assets, to go after these Iranian proxies, and also to continue attacks on the Houthis in Yemen, who continue to attack not only commercial shipping and vessels in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden, but also our naval assets there. In fact, one of their ballistic missiles this past week came within a mile of one of our U.S. naval destroyers before it was shot down uh, by one of the close-in weapons systems that was used on that destroyer. That is the closest so far that one of those missiles has come to our forces on the ground. Um, so again, this is a targeted campaign, seven different facilities, 85 targets were struck using multiple aircraft, including the B-1 Lancer bomber, which carries the largest conventional payload of both guided and unguided weapons in the Air Force inventory, A-10 Thunderbolts, Warthogs, the so-called tank killers, tank busters uh, that we've seen before were also part of this campaign, and fighter jets, U.S. Fighters, uh, presumably, I'm, I'm kind of going, I'm speculating a little bit here. We'll probably get more details, but I would presume probably F-22s, maybe F-35s. And by the way, Greg and Lydia, there's also been some reports that possibly the Jordanian Air Force and F-16s were involved in this. That is not confirmed. Kirby was asked that question. He wouldn't get into any details about that. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, but I find that a little hard to believe. Uh, and this as, of course, Israel is gearing up potentially for a war with Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. It does not look like Hez that Israel was part of this U.S. operation, but make no mistake, the U.S. more than likely was coordinating with Israel as part of this. Makes sense. Guys. Makes sense. John Huddy, many, many thanks. You're not too far from President Trump, by the way. We have not heard from him yet. I'm taking a peek at Truth Social, and uh, I'm sure he'll have something to say about this. Uh, who knows? At any time. John Huddy, mm -hmm. thank you. Now, of course, we know this was a retaliatory strike for the three soldiers that were killed in a drone attack in a Jordan outpost, Tower 22. Those soldiers, Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Landon Sanders, and Specialist Brianna Alexandria uh, Moffat. But this wasn't the first attack, Greg, on, on U.S. forces, on U.S. bases. We're talking 170. What took so long? We've, we've interviewed so many military experts that said this was the inevitable. Yeah, and uh, you wonder, we should have been ready for this, and uh, a more aggressive posture would have prevented this maybe from the get-go. So, um, look, more to cover and more to ask and more to find out. We will be right back. All right, you know about the bombs falling, the American bombs falling on uh, terror targets in the Middle East after what they did to our soldiers. Absolutely. Joining us now, Jerusalem correspondent Dan Cohen joins us just outside of Tel Aviv in Israel. Dan? Yeah, Greg, Lydia, good to be with you. Uh, the United States now unofficially appears to be at war with Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Yemen. 
the White House calling the 30-minute strike against Iran-linked targets in Iraq and Syria uh, successful and says it is just the beginning. Uh, after 4 o'clock in the morning, right now here in Israel, Shabbat, uh, no official response yet from Prime Minister Netanyahu or the Israeli war cabinet to the U.S. strikes. But I can tell you this, the sites that were attacked did pose a threat to Israel. Uh, and I have read some reports from here in Israeli media saying that uh, Israel may have contributed intelligence uh, to some of those targeted strikes. The U.S. military hitting 85 targets, command and control operations center, intelligence centers, rockets, missiles, UAV storage facilities of militia groups, and their IRGC sponsors. Remember, Iran is the ones pressing the buttons here behind the scenes. Uh, a retaliation for an Iran-backed drone strike at a military base in Jordan last weekend that killed three U.S. troops, all three happen to be from Georgia. American forces have been attacked around 160 times since Hamas ignited a war with Israel on October 7th and uh, really raised, uh, escalated things across the Middle East. And set that aside, let's talk about that for a moment. Because in regards to a potential hostage ceasefire deal in Gaza, remember, all these things are connected. Leaders here in the Jewish state have reportedly agreed in principle to a plan to free the final 136 uh, Israelis who were kidnapped. Uh, they're in a Hamas terror dungeon, God knows where, in Gaza. Uh, but there's a big gap that between, uh, that's, that remains. Israel ha has a greater principle. Hamas, uh, though, the sticking point is what would happen after any sort of agreed truce? Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu has vowed not to pull Israeli troops until Hamas is eradicated, gone. Uh, Hamas, though, says it won't agree to any temporary ceasefire hostage deal agreement unless Israel commits to a complete withdrawal and an end to the war. Those are two very divergent opinions. So, listen, President Biden says the United States doesn't want a wider war with Iran. Earlier this week, we heard the Islamic Republic say that it would respond decisively to any U.S. attack on Iran. Lydia Gregg will have to see if the same could be said for an Iranian proxy as they continue to launch attacks on both Israeli and American targets, including, of course, that deadly strike on the three Americans who were killed in Jordan. Back to you. Daniel Cohen, thank you so much for that report. So we're going to check in now with General Blaine Holt, retired U.S. Air Force, and Fred Flights, veteran of the National Security Council and the Trump administration. Great to have you guys. Uh, first to the military, man. A lot of Air Force assets used in this. Uh, Blaine, what do you think? Well, <clears throat> tactically, the Air Force is doing just exactly what our Air Force does. They took off from stateside bases. They flew round trip, 44 hours, delivered all bombs on target, just like you would expect us to do. Um, the, the, the trouble really is going higher level. What, what is our strategy? And, and where is that strategy? What are we trying to achieve in a week where we take a week after these deaths to respond and then tell Tehran, don't worry, we're not going to hit anything inside you and we're going to give you time to react to this. And, and, and furthermore, um, we're going to just be weak on this stage and we're going to say we don't seek any conflict. So that doesn't really inspire confidence that we're flexing our bicep, we're being strong, we're rebuilding our deterrence, and, and we're really missing an opportunity because we could be doing that and sending a message from Caracas to Beijing. Uh, Fred, flights, we keep saying that Iran's behind all of these attacks, over 170 of them, Iran-backed militias. Why not hit Iran? Obviously, the major concern here, of course, is how close they are to nuclear weapons, thanks to Barack Obama, who tried to make a sweetheart deal with, with Iran. I mean, when are we going to learn that you can't negotiate with people that want to kill you? I, I think that's right. I think the first step has to be massive attacks against these Iran-backed militias. 
Maybe that's what happened today. We don't know what was attacked. And we know that they were warned in advance. They had a week to to move their weapons and to hide. So we'll find out over the next couple of years, uh, a couple, couple of days, what happened. And there are a lot of politicians calling for the United States to bomb Iran right now. I'm not for that without a vote by Congress. I want the administration, if it thinks it has to do that, and maybe that's the right thing to do, I want them to lay out the strategy what they what they want to achieve. First of all, that's under the Constitution. But second of all, I do not trust this president to, to do something so incredibly serious without congressional backing. I, I want to see Congress debate it and vote on it. So overall, just check me on this, and I think we may have some graphics. Uh, they're a little uh, crude, but uh, the sanctions were in place under Trump, right? The Biden administration comes in, the oil starts flowing like crazy, money starts coming into Iran like crazy, and then Iran can now fund even more than it was before uh, Hamas, other terror groups, the Houthis. The money starts flowing out of Iran. Um, that's the overall big picture, right? And from that, right. is it a fair conclusion? I mean, this would not have happened if the Trump administration were still in power from October 7th to certainly the attacks that we've seen over the past couple of months. Um, Blaine? Yeah, I think you can easily say that. But moreover, guess what else President Trump did? He sealed off our border. Well, that didn't happen here. And if we are going to get tonight into a war with Iran, if we're going, do you want to do it with this national security team? Is this the team you want fighting that war? And by the way, that, that open flank I just talked about in the southern border, um, we've got over 8 million unaccounted for fighting age men in this nation. And why would we think for five seconds that a war with Iran would not bring military conflict here to our own soil? Because Hamas, Hezbollah, and their proxies are here amongst us right now. So no, in the Trump administration, none of this would have happened. But, but this all was deterrable. Uh, uh, months months ago, you 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 could have uh, you you we we should have shut this down a long time before we got to this place. And and to Fred's point, you have to go to Congress now, and you have to level with the American people about where we're at. You know, Fred for flights. Uh, Speaker Johnson earlier today, he he said that he believed that Joe Biden would close the border, would issue an executive order, would do something, but he thinks that people behind him aren't allowing that to happen. Do you believe that? And who is behind Joe Biden if it's not Joe Biden making the decisions here? I think Biden and his team are deliberately keeping the border open and changing the demographics of this country for political reasons. But, you know, concerning Trump on Iran, it was real deterrence. The Iranians feared Trump. They respected him. And we know the Iranians have at least $80 billion in additional revenue since last September, according to the Heritage Foundation. Biden gave the Iranians a $10 billion sanctions waiver in November. They're flush with cash. And, and your yeah. graphic was great. The money that, that Iran is getting because of Biden is going to these terrorist groups. That would not have happened under Trump. As Donald Trump likes to say, Iran was broke when he was president. Hey, real quick, Blaine, if I can show you the uh, B-1 bomber that's been around since the 1970s. B-1 bomber was one of the key weapons that was used in this attack, in this retaliatory attack. Why does it have to, don't they have any closer to the Middle East? This thing took off from the United States. I'm not sure what base. And would it have flown all the way back to the U.S.? I know they used to do that with the B-1. Uh, yep. <laughs> we have bases overseas. Why do they have to do that? 
Yeah, we, we do have this capability using this. This is what we call a global power mission. And, and actually, this is actually a smart move uh, in my view, because we're showing that we can launch within 24 hours to um, any destination on the planet and, and hold any target at harm in the planet with our global reach. And so using the B1s or what we affectionately call the bones in, in this instant, yeah, those crews flew 44 straight hours in, get the target, get back. And we're trying to send a message globally that, you know, we have capabilities, we have lethal capabilities that can be brought to bear in a variety of ways. And so I, I actually I'm all for that. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty well. It is cool. They uh, they take off from Missouri and then they come back and they go to McDonald's on the way home. It's uh, it's pretty wild. <laughs> well, Fred Flights, we appreciate it so much, and and uh, uh, the general, thank you, General Holt. Thank you. Here. Yeah, I, I was reading that the strikes it took them like a half an hour. It was like very very quickly done. I mean, that's incredible. Compressed. Yeah, yeah. A lot of forces massed at the same time. Um, anyway, well, well done by our troops, but are they well led? That's a major question mark. We will be right back. Newsmax. Shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. So uh, this is interesting. As the American bombs fall in the Middle East uh, in a retaliatory attack uh, for our three soldiers that were lost three years ago last month, uh, actually four years ago last month, Lydia, the Trump administration took out General Soleimani. Remember that guy? Mm -hmm. Big bad um, terror leader, essentially, from Iran. He was in Iraq. And it was interesting what Joe Biden said in the aftermath of that operation, which was a successful operation to take out a guy who had killed American forces. Take a look. He was the mastermind but he was not the whole of the regime or of its capacity to strike back. So the question is, was the reward of removing a bad actor worth the risk of what comes next? We don't have evidence to suggest that Trump or anyone around him thought serious about, seriously about that calculus. It's been reported that the Pentagon, which has long warned against taking a shot like this, was shocked that Trump would take such a risk. That was one weird political statement, I thought. And uh, I remember it well, and I thought it was uh, very unpatriotic, actually. Uh, I look forward to hearing what President Trump is going to say. Nothing on Truth, uh, Truth Social yet. Nothing. And I remember Hillary Clinton at the time also saying that President Trump would plunge us into so many wars, and we had so much peace and prosperity under his leadership. So. It's true. It is true. So we're joined now by Abe Hamaday. He is a Army veteran. He's deployed to the region. And we're also joined by Victoria Coates, a veteran of the Trump administration. She was a former deputy national security advisor, as uh, well as other posts. Welcome to you both. Um, Abe, first to you. Uh, what do you think of what happened tonight? Well, Greg, I think we have to look at how did we get here? You know, so many people want to say that this started after October 7th, but I was actually serving in Saudi Arabia in the Middle East under both President Trump and Biden. And what Biden did the moment he took office, he decided to delist the Houthis as a terrorist organization after Trump listed them as a terrorist organization. He decided to appease Iran, but he also put pressure on Saudi Arabia to stop their aerial campaign against the Houthis. So look at what's happening now. It seems that this administration is just has lost complete deterrence in the region. 
They have alienated our allies, emboldened our enemies, and put Americans in harm's way. And you know, I have I have some friends who are serving in the region right now. I would not be confident under this leadership for us to be going into war. So right now you have Antony Blinken failing diplomatically. You have Lloyd Austin who went missing, you know, at the hospitalization for days on end. So I'm very concerned on who's actually running this show. And uh, you look at what's happening, you know, with our forces in Jordan, Syria, Iraq. There's so many American forces all across, all across the Middle East. And Iran has has shown that they have capabilities of striking many of our assets. So it's very scary. Our soldiers and our troops all over the region need to be really aware because Iran. I don't think this is going to deter Iran from striking back. I don't think this was quite enough. When you talked about Soleimani, when President Trump took out Qasem Soleimani, who landed at the Baghdad airport after he was plotting an attack on our American embassy, that really created deterrence. Iran did strike back after that assassination. If you remember, they they struck Erbil, an air, a base up in northern Iraq. And thank God we didn't lose any American lives, although there was a lot of injuries there. But it really did create deterrence uh, from Iran and so many of these bad actors. I should point out, Abe is uh, running a very effective campaign for the United States Congress in Arizona. Good luck with that. Right. And, and we need a great, strong southern border. And obviously, Abe, you are all for that. What's going on there? Uh, Victoria, let's talk about the economic sanctions and the lack thereof that the Biden administration refuses to put on Iran. We've talked to several guests. We've been talking about this for, for, for years now. Under the Biden administration, why continue to enri enrich the, the mullahs with all of our mullah? We know what they're going to do with our taxpayer dollars. Why? Well, thank you, Lydia. And, and I certainly join you in wishing Abe very well on his in, in his race. We do need him. We do need a strong border in Arizona in the U.S. Congress. Uh, I was in the Situation Room uh, on that night in January 2020 as the Deputy National Security Advisor for the Middle East and North Africa when, when the Soleimani strike occurred. And that took place with months of preparation because President Trump had said to us, if they take out an American, I need an option that can be executed quickly. And so we spent those months getting that target prepared, tracing the activities that you need to trace, and getting ready to take the strike. So when the president was, was ready, when we lost that contractor, we, we, we had an option for him. Apparently, the, the Biden folk have been caught flat-footed. And because they, I guess they thought this was never going to happen, even though the president had made it a red line. And so what we saw tonight was very, very weak. And, you know, it wasn't the sort of thousands of munitions you'd expect to be sent in some kind of massive strike that would actually brush the Iranians back. And to your point, they are enriched with $80 billion in oil revenues, in uh, these, these unfrozen assets that they can now use to fund these attacks on us. So I would say the next 48 hours would be critical to see how they respond. All right, look, we, uh, we just did get through 20 years of war in the Middle East, uh, Abe. Uh, is it a fine line? Do I call it a fine line? Um, you know, I, I don't know if America has the appetite for a war with Iran right now, as bad as they are, and, and right. maybe they should have been a lot more aggressive, but uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't sense that, do you? No, but, you know, what President Trump understood was we have peace through strength. So, of course, nobody wants to see American lives at risk, but it seems that Iran 
is at war with us through their proxies. And their proxies are enriched, they're emboldened. They have them in Hezbollah and Lebanon. They have them in Syria and Iraq. And you know, they killed three of our service members the other day. But let's not forget our two Navy SEALs who went missing in the, in the ocean just a couple weeks ago who were declared dead. So Iran's capabilities have only grown. And through this Biden administration's weakness, it's going to continue to grow. So you know, we have to recognize the situation that we're in. And I think, unfortunately, now, We've lost complete deterrence in the Middle East. And the only way to get it back is once you lose deterrence, it's very, very difficult to gain it back. I think the only way to gain it back is by having President Trump back in office because the rest of the world knows that he means business because of what he did by creating that strong deterrence, by taking action against some of the advice from so many of these pundits and advisors and even our allies. So he was tough with, with the region. He understands how they think. You know, A lot of this is psychological, especially in the Middle East. So you know, I, I'm really concerned that the Biden administration, through their inaction after the 160 attacks that have occurred since October, you know, finally they decided to respond. But you know, what kind of message does that send to, to the rest of the world? Yeah, wow. Late and lame, uh, perhaps. Uh, thank you very much, Victoria Coates and uh, Abe Hamaday. To be continued for sure. Thank you. And make sure to stay right through the next hour for continued coverage with Greta Van Susteren and Tom Basili. We'll be right back. And we're continuing to follow that breaking news. Let's bring in Chief White House Correspondent James Rosen with the very latest. James. Lydia and Greg, good evening. Earlier tonight, we had a background, or I should say an on-the-record conference call for reporters. Uh, the two individuals who were speaking on it were the retired Rear Admiral John Kirby, spokesman for the White House National Security Council, and U.S. Army Lieutenant General Douglas Sims II, Director of Operations for the Joint Staff, working underneath the Joint Chiefs of Staff. From them, we learned as follows. Today's airstrikes commenced at around 4 p.m. Eastern Time, about two hours after the conclusion of that dignified transfer that President and Mrs. Biden attended Dover Air Force Base earlier in the afternoon. The whole set of strikes lasted about a half an hour. Some 85 targets were struck at seven, seven different installations, three of them in Iraq, four in Syria. We are told that these are command and control sites, intelligence collection sites, missiles and drone sites, as well as logistics sites, all related to the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, the IRGC, and the various militia across the region that the IRGC supports. Right now, the Pentagon is still conducting its battle damage assessment. We're told that officials are still sorting through the imagery, uh, that they uh, do expect to have more information tomorrow once the sun is up in the Middle East, but that all indications right now are that these strikes were successful insofar as uh, General Sims put it, we hit exactly what we intended to hit. They also detected secondary explosions in a number of instances that convinced Pentagon officials, again, that the, the uh, strikes hit the intended targets. The Iraqi government was informed of this in advance, although that government has since condemned the strikes. Asked what signal the U.S. intended to send to Iran, Admiral Kirby said the signal is the attacks have to stop. Without elaborating or substantiating it, Kirby also asserted that today's actions were, quote, more robust than what the U.S. has done in recent weeks with similar airstrikes against the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen and other airstrikes in Iraq and Syria launched since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, we were told that there is no connection between the timing of these strikes and the fact that that dignified transfer took place at Dover Air Force Base today. Finally, we're told that DOD is not tracking, as of yet, any acts of retaliation in response 
to today's airstrikes from America's adversaries in that region. President Biden delivered a short statement earlier today via uh, email. It said, this afternoon, at my direction, U.S. military forces struck targets at facilities in Iraq and Syria that the IRGC, that's the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, and affiliated militia use to attack U.S. forces. Our response began today. It will continue at times and places of our choosing. And the statement concluded with the president saying the United States does not seek conflict in the Middle East or anywhere else in the world. But let all those who might seek to do us harm know this. If you harm an American, we will respond, unquote. Greg and Lydia. Uh, James, so uh, the president, I think, is in uh, Wilmington, right? Wilmington, Delaware. What do we make? Uh, what, what, what is the administration trying to do by not having him make a statement? Uh, what, what, what's your read on that? Personally, come out and say something. Yeah, I mean, we've seen so many airstrikes launched by the United States, uh, none of them really accomplishing the ultimate objective of deterring Iran and its proxy forces co from continuing attacks on U.S. forces, uh, that were the president to appear before the cameras each and every time he launched one of these strikes, uh, its, its impact would probably become diluted. We've been encouraged at all points to understand that the first thing that we would see, which is today's airstrikes, will not be the last thing we will see as part of the retaliation for the killing of those U.S. forces. There's going to be a number of different events over the next two months, we're led to understand, where we will be responding in ways visible and sometimes not visible. Greg and Lydia. All right, James Rosen at the White House. Many, many thanks. Well, let's continue the conversation with us now. Retired Lieutenant Colonel of the U.S. Army, Tony Schaefer. Thank you so much for joining Thank us, you. sir. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Let me ask you, how effective do you think uh, these strikes were tonight? Or is this just kind of like a smoke screen to say, you know, for Joe Biden to be like, see, I'm tough. I'm a tough guy. So, Lydia, we sent 85 sorties out, put uh, our forces' lives at risk, and we don't know. Uh, one of the things I did not hear James talk about, nor the, the general in that interview, was IRGC and Coots Force. And Greg, you said something about this a few minutes ago regarding, you know, Victoria outlined that mission. Uh, that was well planned. It was executed to cause maximum penalty to the Iranians. And now, be, let's be clear on this. Uh, Victoria Singh, I mean, I'm sorry, Sabrina Singh, the Pentagon spokesman said, Lydia, this past Tuesday, that the hand of Iran is behind all these attacks. So what, do you, what should we do? Cut off that hand, cause a penalty to be uh, paid by Iran. So unless that penalty has been paid, that message has been sent, there's no way to reestablish deterrence. And I think uh, we just won't know until we know exactly what was hit, and we won't know that till late tomorrow. Wow. All right. And uh, by letting this slide, I mean, people say, well, what would Trump do now? It, this, we wouldn't have gotten to this position with the Trump no, administration. No, this point. No, absolutely. And that's a great point. So, uh, again, the Trump folks were always leaning forward. That's, Greg, that statement you played of Biden, it showed Biden was out of touch then, he's out of touch now. There are people with serious experience thinking about this is a chess game. The people, I, you know, I was advisor to Joe Dunford, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. I sat with Mike Pompeo looking at how we could do a Middle East NATO. The Abraham Accords, Greg, these were all things that were being done with our allies so we could preclude being in the situation we're in now. Uh, Biden uh, alienated the Saudis. He stopped the attacks of the Saudis on the Houthi, allowing the Houthi like, like a disease to expand out. And oh, by the way, something has been underreported. The Houthi now are a transnational organization. They're, they've now moved over to Ethiopia as well, now cutting up, preparing a choke, choke point in the Red Sea. Greg, we have given up 
to a group of, of, of terrorists who run around in the back of Toyota 4x4s. We've given up control of about 25% of global commerce. Think about that. And we're not doing adequate uh, responses to stop that. And again, it all goes back to Iran. All right, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, our coverage continues. Greta and uh, Tom Basili are standing by. They'll take over at 10 o'clock. But uh, very big night in America and beyond, right? We can only pray for no more lives to be lost, American lives. Thank you so much. Uh, We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Tony Marino, host of the wildly popular Newsmax Daily podcast, available for free along with Jerry Callahan, Rob Carson, and other great podcasts at Newsmax.com slash listen or wherever you get podcasts. Wanted to see this again. Is, uh, that's video from on the ground in Iraq and uh, the western portion of the country. What are we seeing, Lydia? It's kind of hard to make out. You're going to see some outgoing, I guess, defensive fire. And those explosions, I believe those are our bombs landing. But what did we hit? Did we hit the right anything worthwhile? I mean, that's, that's what you, we don't know yet, right? Because right now when this happens, that was in the middle of the night over there. Uh, BDA, they call it, Battle Damage Assessment. They have satellites and all kinds of things. But uh, hey, look, we have precision munitions and uh, hopefully we didn't give them a heads up to move the stuff uh, ahead of time. Or but, did we? All right, we want to move on now. We have with us um, Robert M. Newton. He's the chief executive officer of NCE Incorporated, an experienced combat pilot with the Air Force. Also joining us, Robert Wilkie, the former Undersecretary of Defense, former Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. I'll start with you, uh, Secretary Wilkie. How effective do you think these strikes will be? Any kind of deterrence whatsoever? Or is this just Joe Biden showing his weakness on the world stage once again? Well, Lydia, you said it a minute ago, um, we don't know what the value of these targets are. My fear, and I hope that I'm wrong, is that these are more than secondary and tertiary targets. Um, The targets that we need to hit are the targets that Joe Biden won't hit. And I'll give you an example of the contradiction. I mean, James Rosen just had a, a statement issued by the White House and by the Pentagon from Mr. Kirby. Well, Mr. Kirby said earlier in the day that the use of B-1 bombers was not designed to send a signal to Iran, only those who harm Americans. Well, who's behind all of this? The only way that you're going to stop it, and that is when the Iranians fear escalation more than Joe Biden fears escalation, is that by hitting targets that the Iranians care about. Ronald Reagan did it. He sank their ships. He blew up their offshore oil platforms. And Donald Trump put all of their leaders at risk. That's what the Iranians care about. Not this in the desert. They don't care about the Houthis. They don't care about their brigands running around Syria and Iraq. So from a technical standpoint and a tactical standpoint, uh, Robert, what what do you think uh, we accomplished tonight? Uh, we, We bring in a clarity of consequence. And so while I think we could have done a lot better in terms of being prepared and defended against this type of threat, uh, we're showing that there is a consequence to it. And uh, as many of your speakers have said, you know, time will tell just how significant we were with that. I think that uh, the defensive side, though, uh, I don't think there's any doubt that that we saw this coming. Uh, Hundreds, well over 100 attacks, and you know at some point they're going to hit a soft target and or kill our people. And 
you know, just to kind of, I, I think, wait and delay on this is not a good thing. You need to get right out there. You have to be very deliberate. And it has to have severe consequences when we uh, lose our soldiers like this. You know, Robert, while we have you here, we actually have footage of you flying an F-16 back in the day. That is you in the cockpit, um, which is a pretty extra. How, how, who took this picture? How do they get this shot? I was dead astern of a B-25, of all things. And Gary Tolbert was the guy that took the shot hanging out of the back of the B-25 with uh, Phil, Phil Ostriker flying it. And it's interesting because, you know, it is a representation of strength. And one of the things that uh, we certainly have is, is great technology and precision attack and an intelligence network that can determine where the threats are. And to preemptively attack those threats so that they don't threaten you in the future is, I think, a big part of what we're witnessing. And I'm hoping that uh, they send a very clear message to anyone that's even thinking about attacking our forces, uh, you know, and, and obviously preempt that. Robert Newton, thank you very much. And Secretary Wilkie, thank you, sir. A lot, you bet. Well, we have a lot more to discuss. I still am wondering why six days. Why did they wait so long? It is weird. And uh, you got all those military planners at the Pentagon. We knew something was going to happen sooner or later. Just pull the trigger. I had no idea there was 10,000 of them. I, I was exaggerating. But I mean, there, there are a lot, uh, a lot of folks. And that's what they do. They get ready for, for war, for these kinds of contingencies. We'll be right back with continuing coverage. So we may be seeing more of this in the nights uh, to come, days and weeks to come. This is part of a campaign. Are we going to get used to it? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I have my doubts about this administration, Lydia. You know, Joe Biden, he tweeted out in part, we do not see conflict in the Middle East or anywhere else in the world, but the conflict found us. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> we don't see conflict. I mean. Who does? It, right. Nobody really wants a war, but every now and then you got to. Peace through strength. If you watch uh, the 9 o'clock show uh, on a regular basis, we've been talking about that a lot. Peace through strength. It's been our kind of our doctrine since, I don't know, Eisenhower, a long time ago. And we predict, what's sad is that this was predicted, right? All the military experts, and they're also predicting that we could see an attack on U.S. soil because of our wide open border, especially with what everything's going on in the Middle East. And yet, what does Joe Biden, what do the Democrats do? Nothing. They leave it wide open. How are you going to sleep tonight? <laughs> I know. You I don't mean us. to scare everybody and, you know, like little no. grandma calling me. You know, like, oh, I can't sleep no. tonight with Lydia said. These are, uh, these are dangerous times and fascinating times. So, Well, I, you have two beautiful daughters. I have a daughter, and we have to keep doing what we're doing and keep them safe. Get the message out. Our coverage continues. Many thanks.